this week with a series that's going to last this week and next week called Anyone and Everyone. And it's going to go back to something we talked about earlier this year, but I want us to understand something uh, really important. And I want to thank Jamie again for letting me uh, kind of borrow one of her pictures for uh, just being able to do this and start off this series. So when you're reading the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you ought to do that sometime. You ought to put it in a reading plan. You ought to be able to do that. It's really important. The Gospels are unmistakable that the good news is for anyone and everyone. You ought to run across that. You ought to be like, who is this person? Well, this person is this. And sometimes, we can just be honest, we're reading and that title doesn't mean anything to us because, well, it's 2022, we live in uh, central uh, United States and Iowa, and some of those labels for us, they don't mean anything. They don't, uh, they don't resonate with us. So sometimes we have to look some things up, or maybe if you have a study Bible, it says who a, who a tax collector is, who a zealot is, um, it, who a sinner is, all those different groups of people. It's really important because Jesus has kept reaching out to them over and over and over again. And the people around him, the religious leaders are like, what are you doing? You, don't have, you shouldn't be doing that. You should be with us. But it's unmistakable when you're reading the Gospels that it's for anybody and everyone. And we shouldn't make it difficult, and we shouldn't exclude anyone. We, we ought to be arms wide open and casting a huge net for people to come and hear the Gospel and watch as Jesus transforms their life. That's really, really important. And that's what I want to talk about the next two weeks. In fact, if we can go all the way back to January, which none of us want to think about, we're open no snow, right? We're open no cold, we're open none of that anymore. So, but if we could go back for a moment, you remember how we started off the year. We started off the year with a unique story about Jesus going in and cleansing the temple. He goes in, he takes all the money changers, he throws it out. And that's a story a lot of people have read and gone, what in the world was Jesus doing? And one of the things we understood in there is the temple was a place for people to connect with God. And even on the most outer part of it were the Gentiles, that's you and me, were allowed to enter. That place was the place where all these money changers had set up. So they were making it difficult for people to come to God. They were making it really, really hard, really, really difficult. And that's why Jesus went in there and threw them all out. And so it's one of the things we said for this year. Are we a church that makes sure we are for everyone and anyone? Are we that type of church? Are we going to be that type of place that we're going to make sure people come and are able to connect with God? No matter what their background, no matter who they are, that they can come here and find a place to connect with God. Are we going to be that type of church? Are we going to make sure there's no barriers or there's nothing in the way? So I want to go like back to that, pull it forward, and say, do we understand as a church that the gospel is for everyone and anyone? And the reason I'm only doing two weeks, because I'm just going to tell you, this stuff is really challenging and really hard, and if I did it for more than two weeks, you'd be like, could you please stop that? I'm not going to show up anymore. This is too convicting. It is. It will challenge you. It will challenge the way we think. It will challenge what we do. It will challenge who we are. But we need to understand, this is exactly what Jesus did. These stories are unmistakable because this is what Jesus did. Aren't we supposed to be like him? Aren't we supposed to do the things that Jesus did? Well, if we are, then this is the way we ought to behave. This is the way we ought to live. This is what we 
should do. So we're going to be in Matthew's gospel. We're actually going to look at Matthew's story. Okay? That's what we're going to do. Two weeks of seeing what Jesus did and committing ourselves to doing it. That's really the heart of this. Am I going to live like Jesus did? Are we going to be a church the way Jesus wants us to be a church? Are we going to be that church? So we're going to look at the story of Matthew, and this is Matthew chapter 9, 9 through 13, because something happens very interesting uh, at the end here, what Jesus ends up saying to all the religious leaders who are just shocked at what he's doing. And in what he says, I think there's something really, really important for us today that you and I ought to walk away with and say, do I believe that? Am I doing that? It's all, all we're going to walk away with today. Do I believe that? Am I doing that? And sometimes the first one will be like, well, of course I believe that. Of course I believe anything that's written in it here. Okay? Of course I do. That's not normally our problem. Our normal problem is, well, yeah, we believe it. Do we actually do it is the bigger challenge that we're going to face today. Okay? So follow on the screen. Follow on your, uh, in your Bibles, your Bible app. Follow along if you're watching online. You can follow along right at the bottom of the screen as well. Here we go. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax booth. You got, you, we just breeze through this, okay? He's sitting at the tax booth, big, big whoop, okay? And then he says to him, what? Follow me, he said to him. So he got up and followed him. This was unbelievably scandalous, unbelievably scandalous because of what Matthew committed himself to. He committed himself to the other side, the Romans. He worked for them, which means he did what they wanted to the detriment of his own people, his own family, his own friends. He would have did this in a town called Capernaum, and he would have known everybody in the town. He would have known all their business. Well, guess what? Some of the other disciples were from Capernaum. Do you know what that means? They went to the tax booth and knew they were getting ripped off, knew they were getting ripped off, knew that the guy standing before him you know, maybe was a friend growing up. Maybe they knew him in town, but they hated him now because they had to pay unbelievable amounts because he sided with the Romans and now they were being oppressed. So this is a big deal. Jesus just walks up to this tax booth and just says, follow me. Now, again, we hear those words in our culture and we're like, okay, well, what would make anybody stop and do that? Again, move back for a moment into their world. To hear those words from a rabbi was everything a Jewish young man would have loved to hear. Would have loved to hear. Most of them would have gotten to a point, they would have been in school, learning the entire text, which is the entire Old Testament. They would have learned that growing up, and then they would have gotten to a point, and the point was, either you go home and you learn your father's trade, or a rabbi invites you to follow him, and you follow him, and you ultimately go into that realm. It was a great honor to do that. And you know what every single one of his disciples, Jesus' disciples did? They got to that point, and is the rabbi going to pick me? No. No, 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 no. Just imagine 12 no's. No, 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 no. And they all went home to work on their father's trade, except for Matthew, who decided, I'm going to work for the other side. I'm going to work for the, the, the bad guys, and I'm going to be a tax collector. So this all comes out of, I'm not chosen, nobody wants me, everybody's excluded me, and so I'm, that's it. And then he decided so far as he was excluded, he was going to go work for the other side. See, this is why I think we're going to relate to this. 
almost everybody in the room, everybody watching, at some point has not been picked. You've not won something. You've not been picked. You haven't been chosen. Whether it was on the play yard as a kid and, right, I don't want him. Do you want him, right? I don't want her. She throws like a girl, okay? Uh, if you've ever been there and you've ever been excluded, you understand exactly what's going on here because this is what's going on. All these 12 guys heard, no, 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 no. You're not chosen. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. You don't have what it takes. No, 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 no. Go home. Go home. Go home. Learn a trade. Learn a business. Go home. You're not picked. You're not chosen. You're not in. They all heard it. So if it ever happened to you, if ever happened in college, if ever happened at a job where you were overlooked and you weren't chosen, just think of something you weren't chosen for. You relate with all of these individuals and you relate to Matthew because Matthew wasn't chosen. And so he went home and decided, nope, I'm not doing that either. I'm going to go work for the other side. So when Jesus comes along, and Jesus of all people, I mean, he's a Jewish person who's actually talking to him and not about taxes. And he looks and he says, you. Matthew had been like, me? Me? Sitting here in this tax booth, ripping people off, working for the other side, the traitor. Nobody even sees me. Everybody hates me. And Jesus says, you. I want you. Come on. You're on my team. You're on my team. You're, you're, you're part of my crew. It would have been unbelievable to Matthew to do this. So, of course, what does he do? Done with this. I am done with this job. I am done with this. A rabbi picked me and chose me and said, you're in. It would have been amazing. He would have got up and he would have left. And his disciples would have been, what are you doing? Okay? Jesus, I realize we'd all been picked over. But him, there's no way you should be choosing him. There's no way you should be picking him. Ah, so, now, we have a second scene. Jesus just makes it worse and says, oh, by the way, guys, we're going to go to Matthew's house, and we're going to have a meal with Matthew. Again, forget talking to a tax collector. You certainly didn't go to his house, and you certainly didn't have a meal with him. That's where they're at. And they're like, oh, yeah, and we're going to Matthew's house. And they're like, you got to be kidding me. we got to go there. Yep, we got to go there. So they go to Matthew's house. And now on top of that, Matthew's going to invite all his friends. Okay, so if all the Jewish people hate him, okay, who's going to be his friends? Other tax collectors, okay, other people who work for the Romans, and a group of people who are just outcasts. They call them sinners, okay? This is a group of people. They had, they had committed certain sins. They just gave up on following all the rules. Does, they're the only ones that even care about Matthew. So they're all there. And the disciples are like going, oh, my goodness. I know we weren't picked, but my goodness, do we have to sit at a table with all of this? Yep. You're going to sit at a table with all this because Jesus is trying to make a point of who is welcome in the kingdom of God. Everyone and anyone. He's making that point over and over again. And he ate with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, because, of course, they're checking all of this out to see what Jesus is up to, they, they can't believe this. So they pull the disciples aside, and he says, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Like, we don't do this. Why on earth is your teacher doing this? He shouldn't be involved in this. He shouldn't be doing this. So that's what happens here. Good question. And so 
Jesus, they're probably going, uh, I don't know. He didn't ask us. We wouldn't be here, okay? We're just following along for the ride. We have no idea what he's doing. So Jesus steps in, and he says, when Jesus heard this, he said to him, this is really important, those who are healthy don't need a physician, but those who are sick do. So just imagine, Monday morning, you wake up, gosh, I feel great. I feel good. Something's wrong with me. I better go to urgent care. Do you, do you ever think that way, right? But if you do, I, I, I'm sorry. But, but do you ever think that way? We don't think that way. We think that way when we're sick. You ever been there? Oh, my goodness, something is wrong. Something's up. I, 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 I got to go. I, I got to go. They got to help me figure out what is the matter with me. And this is Jesus' point. You don't do that on a day you're feeling great and you're feeling well and you're feeling awesome and good, okay? So it's those who are healthy don't need a physician, but those who are sick do. And then Jesus does something really important that we might skip over. And he says, go and learn what this means. Okay, you want, you want a project, Pharisees. Here's your project. I want you to look up a scripture. I want, and, and look it up didn't mean, you know, take out your Bibles, okay? Take out your Bibles in this language, in this version, okay? It didn't mean that. It just meant go back in your memory. You learned this in school growing up, and I want you to go back, and I want you to tell me what this means, okay? Go learn this. I want mercy and not sacrifice. Now, it seems like a simple statement, right? I want mercy, not sacrifice. Go figure it out. Go learn it. Go figure it out. Come back and talk to me, right? Go learn it. It's the quote is really, really important. And if we're not careful, here's what happens. We have a language barrier, not only between us and the text, the original text, but there's a barrier between the Old Testament and the New Testament. When you go from Hebrew to Greek, you change a lot of stuff. And... All of Jesus' quotations are not in Greek. They're actually in Hebrew. But since they're in Greek, they're going to look different. So you might read this and go, I want mercy, not sacrifice. Okay, mercy. We're supposed to be showing mercy. And you would assume wrong because that's not the word. That's not the word. The word is really, really important, what he asked them to understand. It goes back to the, to the book of Hosea, and we'll get to that in a moment here. Then he ends. For I did not come to call the righteous, but I came to call sinners. Okay? You don't need the help. You don't need the direction. You guys were all chosen. You were all in. You were all picked. These are the people who have been left out. And I'm going to deal with the people who have been left out. And he's going to tell us why here in this quote. So he asked them, go back. Go back in your memory. Get together. Talk about this verse. Figure out what it means because it's going to help you to understand why you've lost your way and why on this day you would stand here outside Matthew's house and you would be wondering, what on earth is he doing? Because you've lost something in the text. And here's my question this morning. I wonder if we've lost the same thing. That's my question. Here it is. Here's the original text from the book of Hosea that Jesus is quoting. For I delight in faithfulness. Not again. Not a very good translation. This is a hard word to translate, and we'll talk about that. For I delight in faithfulness, not simply in sacrifice. I delight in acknowledging God, not simply in whole burnt offerings. So in the book of Hosea, chapter 6, verse 6, he goes all the way back to a prophet who is telling God's people, 
you've got it wrong, you've got it wrong, you've got it wrong. What God is upset about is that is not about your sacrifices. It's about that word, for I delight in faithfulness. Okay? So here's the missing ingredients. You ready for it? Because you've got to know the word. The word is really hard to translate. It's really difficult. And if you don't know the word and you don't know the picture and what the word is talking about, we're going to miss it. We're going to be just like the Pharisees. And we're going to think, well, it's okay. It's okay to exclude. It's okay to leave out. It's okay not, not to be arms wide open and to see people come to Jesus and be transformed by Jesus. Here it is. You say this word has said, okay? It's, it's really loving kindness is the first way it was translated that might be the best. It's really this, and right? Our Bibles wouldn't do this, but a love that won't stop loving. This is how God is referred to over and over and over and over again. I, it could be the steadfast love. You might read that in one of the Psalms. The steadfast love of the Lord never changes. It, it, it tries to pick it up over and over again. But it's just not an easy word to, to say in one word, right? You just can't say it love because it's really more loving kindness. And that really doesn't equate to it. It's a love that won't stop loving. Whereas the other word, zabak, is about sacrifices. What are, you, what are you willing to give up? What are you willing to sacrifice? And here's what Jesus wanted them to know, wants us to know. It is easier to sacrifice to God than to love one another. I hope you all understand that. It is easier to sacrifice to God than to love one another. It is. And that's why most of us don't have a problem with sacrificing to God. We, we don't have a problem um, giving money. We don't have a problem showing up. I, I appreciate everyone who showed up yesterday for Workday. We don't have a problem doing that. We don't have a problem serving at times, doing different things. We can do that. To love one another, that's hard. That's messy. That's difficult. So here's his point. It's far easier to do that. And by the way, just so you know, the Pharisees understood this. For example, they could tithe. They would go into their, in a modern-day expression, they'd go into their pantry. Okay? Could you imagine that? Okay? It, it's the day you decide to help out helping hands. And so you teach your kids this too, and you open up all the doors. Okay, kids, this is how we're going to tithe. This is how we're going to give a tenth of what we have, and we're going to go take it up to helping hand, and we're going to help people who need it. And so you open your doors, and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, pull number 10 out, okay? And you give a tenth of everything in there, and you box it up, and you take it over to helping hands, and you give it. That's what they would have done over and over again. They had no problem doing that. They had no problem boxing stuff up. They had no problems dropping stuff off. They had no problem saying, okay, got to go through our closet, right? There's too much in this closet. We got to go through it. And you start pulling stuff out again. And you take it to Goodwill. You take it to Helping Hand. You take it wherever you want to. That's easy. But to love the person next to them, that was hard. So hard that they just started excluding people. We don't talk to tax collectors. Uh, we don't talk to sinners, okay? Um, if you're not a part of our group and you can't answer all these questions and get everything right, you're out. You're out, you're out, you're out, you're out, you're out. That's all they did. And then they kept adding. They kept adding oral traditions on top of 
the Mosaic Law. If it isn't hard enough, okay, read Leviticus sometime if you can. And just start asking yourself, could I keep all that? You know what the answer is? No. No. Now, take all of it, Leviticus, and just pile on top of it. Because that's what they did over and over and over and over again. To the point where everybody's like, I, I can't do any of this. Okay? That was easy. That was easy compared to loving the person next to them. Nope, you're excluded. Matthew, you can live outside of town because you're a tax collector. We don't want you in town. Okay? Uh, you, you're out. You're out. You're, you're, you're a sinner. Uh, you did this. You didn't, uh, we don't think you did this right. You're out, you're out, you're out, you're out, you're out. That's what they constantly did. Because it's easier to sacrifice. It's easier to give up a little bit of your time. It's easier to give up a little bit of your money than to love the person next to you. It's just easier. So most of us will default to that. In Hosea, God, you know what God's saying? You don't get it, do you? You think because you, you brought a goat, everything's great. I would really appreciate it if you'd learn what it is to love each other. I really wish you'd understand how much I love you, and you'd take that same love, and you would love the person next to you, the person next door to you, the person across the street from you, the person next to you in school, the person you work with. I wish you would learn to love that person. And that's hard. And we can just all acknowledge that this morning. That's hard because that's messy and that's difficult. And yeah, I can, I can, I can pull out money and I can make a, an online gift and I can do that. But to interact with somebody, sometimes that's messy and hard and difficult. And like, yeah, I just, I just rather give. I just rather serve because it's just a lot easier. So what about you? Because that's where we start turning this and we start saying, do we do the same thing? That it's just so much easier to do that than to love the person next to us, than to love the person that God's put in our sphere. And for everybody in the room, for everybody watching online, who is in your sphere is a lot different than who's in my sphere. We all have different people because of your work, because of some of you are in school still, some of you uh, are retired and you have different realms, you do different things. All of us have different circles. We all live in different neighborhoods. We have different neighbors. What are we doing? What are we doing with that? What are we doing with that? Because I guarantee you, it's easier to watch an online service. It's easier to come and sit in church than it is to love the person next to us in our sphere at times. So what are we doing? Who is it difficult? Now I'm really going to meddle with you, okay? Sorry. Who is it difficult for you to love? Who is it difficult for you to love? And for many of you, that's, that, that's just easy. That's going to be an easy question. Oh, gosh, you don't understand. You understand who lives behind me, okay? You, you don't understand. You understand the boss I work with. You don't understand, right? We all have people in our lives. It's really hard to love them. And yet, here we are getting pushed in that direction to do absolutely just that. Do you understand without has said this loving kindness, this love that won't stop loving, we will always leave people out. Because that's what happens. That's what happens without has said. 
That is always what happens. That's always the end result. You will always exclude somebody. You will always leave somebody out. You will always go, no, no, you're out, you're out, you're out. When you, when you miss that, nope, it's a love that doesn't stop loving. And that may mean, by the way, that may mean, okay, what you do makes no difference. But it can be the opportunity that makes a difference later on. When somebody else comes along and does the same thing. And does something that's incredibly loving and incredibly kind and helps that peop- those people out. Those people in your sphere, it is so important that we learn what it is to do this. Now, to do this, I learned this question a few years ago. It's a really good question. Not an easy question. It's a good question. And the, the question is, what does love require of me? So, when you're home, start looking around your neighborhood. What does love require of me? What does love require of me? What, what should I do if I'm serious about showing said in my neighborhood? D- does that mean on garbage day when, um, you know, it is our typical, it's our new spring where 40 mile an hour winds is like every day, okay? And, and, and I, I don't know, they, they need to put weights in these things or something, okay? They're in the road, they're tipping over, they're in your yard, okay? What, what would it look like? Maybe love requires me to go out and grab that and put that away from my neighbor. Yeah, but they can do that themselves. I understand. But what does love require of me? See, it's a different question. It's a different question. What happens if we went to work with that same thing? What does love require of me? Does that mean at times I stay quiet when I really like to say some things? Okay. What, what does that mean? What does that look like? What does that look like? Does, does it look like I do something and I help somebody out in their work, even though I know uh, they really don't deserve it, they've been slacking off, they've been not doing what they're supposed to do, and it drives you nuts, it drives you crazy, but maybe love would say, why don't you help them pick up the slack? Maybe that would help them in where they are. And you know why this is such a good question? Because I don't know somebody else's story. You don't know, at times, the full story of the person at work who constantly is getting behind in their job. You don't know their story. You don't know what happened in their, what's happening in their home. You don't know what's happening in their marriage. You don't know what's happening in their kids. And I know it's easy to assume they're lazy they don't want to do anything, right, when they could be going through a lot. And perhaps if you help them, you would open up a door to maybe encourage them and speak into their life where you've never been able to before. Perhaps it's the same with your neighbor. What if you went into those situations and you asked, what does love require of me? What does said want me to do? in this situation. Because I just think it would look different. It would make everything look different. And the same is true, by the way, in our church. What does has said require of me here? What does it require of me here? Because it's easy to sacrifice. It's easy to give up something. It's easy to do something. But what am I willing to do? What does love require of me? What does it require for me to do? What is it asking me to do 
in this situation here. That's what I want us to think about this week. In all your different places, because you all touch different, different spheres of influence. You have different jobs, different neighborhoods, different workplaces. Some of you were in school. It's awesome. All those, I, I just want you to walk up and say, okay, God, what does love require of me? Then, can I prepare you for this? You're going to say, oh, no, I don't want to do that. Okay, that's going to happen. Okay, so just, just get ready for that. Okay, that's going to be your initial reaction probably is, I don't want to do that because that's the way love works. Okay, that's the way has said works. It just, you get to that point, you're like, oh, but I don't want to do that. I know. This is where truth trumps the way we feel. And it asks us to do things that we don't feel like doing because of the bigger thing that God could do to use that in that moment. So, what does love require of me? Ask that this week. And then be prepared to do what God asks you to do. And no, I don't expect it to be easy. I don't expect you to like it. I do expect you to go home and say, why does that have to preach on this stuff, okay? And why do I have to deal with this? Because I felt guilty today because I knew I should have done this, but I just didn't feel like doing it. Just be prepared for that. That's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. This stuff's uncomfortable, and it's uneasy, and we just rather talk about giving because at least I can do that and it not be difficult, okay? But this is really important. If we could take the same kind of love God has for us and use that and let that flow through us to all sorts of different people, it would make a huge difference. And that is ultimately the type of church we want to be. And for all of you here and for all of you watching, that's the kind of church you want to go to. That's the kind of church you want to be a part of, is one where said is practiced and lived out because of the difference it makes in every single person. And everyone and anyone is always welcome. So let me pray for us, because it's going to be hard and it's going to be challenging, and you're going to feel like doing it, neither am I. Okay? Just because you're a pastor doesn't mean you feel like doing everything. Okay? just means you get challenged first and get convicted first, and I just, just like to spread the conviction, right? Why, why keep it all to myself? This is not easy, okay? Acknowledge that right now. This is not easy, but we should do it because what God could do to use this would be really, really great. So let me pray for us this morning that God would help us and we would be willing to ask this question every day where we happen to be. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. You just didn't show up and hang around with all the right people. The ones that seemed chosen at that time. You came and picked 12 people, all outcasts, all outlaws, all left out. And we should have gotten it by that. But sometimes we need to read passages like this, where the people who should have known better didn't know. And they struggled. They really, really struggled. And you just took them back to the text. Nope, I want to say. 
one has said because of the difference a said can make. So I pray today we'd be willing to ask a really hard question. We go back to our neighborhoods today. What does love require of me? We get up and go to work. What does love require of me? We get up and we go to school. What does love require of me? We begin to ask that question in our church. What does love require of me? And we are not going to feel like doing it, but I pray we will. And we will see what you can do with his said. It is powerful. It is incredible. If we would just allow your love that won't stop loving, that has been shown to us, flow through us into all those places where we live, work, and go to school, So I pray you would empower us and help us to do what is hard and do what is difficult and do it this week and see what you have in store and see what you will do. We pray all this in Jesus' name.